Shut up and sit down. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. This podcast kind of crept up on us. This is podcast number 100. Man, that sounds crazy to say. 100 podcasts, so like two and a half years of doing this. Um, I, I just want to say thank you so much for everybody that follows along and has been, been keeping up and, and, and taking this journey along with us. What a, what a fun time. And uh, that can't be understated any more than a big thank you to our Patreons. Patreons are uh, basically what funds the podcast. And uh, it doesn't really fund the podcast. It basically funds the giveaways uh, for for the podcast. But uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword. We try to make the, pot, the, the, the prizes for the quarterly giveaways good enough that they want to come back um, and to recruit new people. Um, so... Th- this podcast is the first podcast of the second quarter. So the first quarter we gave away the Phantom uh, starter kit, the saddle kit, as well as uh, subscription to Base Map and Jason Semkoviak's uh, Master Bow Hunting Course. So we'll be announcing that epi- that that winner uh, the Wednesday after this podcast comes out. So uh, the second Wednesday in April is when we're going to be. Um, putting that out but we've had a whole bunch of new patreons and this was the like month of the tim so tim connor tim clark tim gray virginia north carolina and then tim clark you've heard that name a ton he's the only person that we've had on the podcast three times um as a guest so um you know he's following along with what we're doing he's one of the tethered guys and uh, we just can't thank them enough uh john kurth uh from wisconsin and then uh, one of the guys from our local Bowman's called Ryan Schultz. So thank you guys so much for, for following along and, and, and putting your money up and supporting what we're doing here with the show. Um, another big thing is 2020, you know, we, we did a pretty good job in 2019 of uh, filming our hunts and, and putting that out there. But in an effort to be able to fully commit to filming uh, for 2020, and that includes Uncle Frank, uh, we've actually partnered with Tacticam. So um, Tacticam's actually got us a couple cameras, and uh, we're going to be doing filming all of our hunts with uh, Tacticams as well as our other other gear. So John and I will still be running main cameras, but we'll be using Tacticams as, uh, as a second angle and having Tacticams on our bows. And this will actually allow us to get some footage of Frank and Ernie, and everybody wants more Uncle Frank. I don't think that there's any... Um, there's anybody out there that says, man, we need less of him. So, um, that's pretty awesome. Um, so for this quarter, um, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be giving away uh Tacticam solo kit as well as the base map, um, subscription along with the swag pack from base map as well. And, I haven't nailed down exactly which one I'm going to give away, but I'm going to be we're going to be giving away uh, a pellet grill. So I'm pretty sure it's going to be one of the Traegers. Um, I just haven't got that completely narrowed down yet. But so for the second quarter, we're going to be giving away a Traeger to one of our Patreons. So you just have to go to bowhunterchronicles.com uh, and click on the Patreon link, or you can go to Patreon dot com forward slash bowhunter chronicles 
and uh, it's just like a reoccurring $5 charge. So basically, it's a $15 raffle ticket or $5 a month, however you want to look at it. You're directly supporting the show. And I don't know if you've been following along on, on Instagram, but our Patreons have been killing it um, post-snap. So every time you sign up for Patreon, every Patreon, I send out a package to them. And uh, most have koozies. And so in this quarantine time, they've just been posting up pictures of their <laughs> beers or whatever they're drinking in the Bowhunter Chronicles uh, uh, koozies. And it's just been awesome to see that coming across our feed. And we've been trying to reshare those. And um, for the Patreons, we also have a, a, a private Facebook group set up. And we did our first uh, Zoom chat because everybody's on quarantine and it's kind of like uh, everybody's kind of looking for something to do. And that was really awesome. We're going to be doing some more of those uh, in the future. And I've got some pretty big ideas as far as uh, getting that uh, kind of going and some, some bigger ideas to bring some other people in. Uh, but the next one we'll have Frank on. So it'll be Frank, John, and I, and then any of the patrons that want to jump on and just uh, hang out and chat and have a beer. Um with that, you know, with with the base map, you know, you can go and you can use Chronicles and save 20%. So you're getting the full base map uh, nationwide package. Now with all of the hunt data and everything from Peterson's uh, for 24 bucks for the year. And it does everything that any of the other mapping softwares do um, just as well or better. And, I mean, it's... A fraction of the price, and that's pretty awesome. But this week's guest is Matt Tezak with uh, Ready Wise Food, and he turns out he's also a base map ambassador or pro staff. I guess he is. He's a little bit uh, higher up than an ambassador, and um, so he's given us twenty percent off of the Ready Wise Food with the code Base Map, and I believe it's a capital B and a capital M twenty. So twenty percent off and they've got plenty of inventory even through all of this coronavirus everything so for any of you guys planning uh, western hunts or anything this year these meals are great they sent us a bunch of them and uh, we've I've got a video that i've got to put up uh, john actually forgot the microphone so the audio is kind of crummy uh, so i'm kind of disappointed about that but i'll get that uh, uh that video up uh, but this podcast matt is actually a culinary trained chef and he created some of the recipes for these meals. And it's a real good conversation. It doesn't just talk about the food or just talk about ready wise. It talks about kind of the climate of everything going on right now with the coronavirus, the way that people are storing food, hoarding food, um, all that, um, planning a backcountry hunt, planning your food and getting everything ready to, to go on that hunt. So, um, real, real great episode and uh, Matt's a great guy to talk to and all of his information is on there but if you are uh, looking to check out some of these things and I'd recommend the uh, chocolate chip cookie bites if for nothing else uh, just to throw in your car to have um, they're amazing but like I said you can use that code um, base map 20 uh, and get 20% off anything on their website. So uh, that's a, certainly a great deal. I know you guys are going to love this episode. Thanks for sticking around with us for 100 episodes. And uh, here's to the next 100. Uh, we'll definitely be having some beers uh, on the next few podcasts to, to celebrate all of this uh, like we always do. But if you're not following along with us on Instagram, 
please uh, check out our Instagram. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're putting up, uh, trying to get a video up every week now. Uh, I've got John locked down. He's, he's not doing anything, so uh, i got to make him videos here and there. And um, check that out. Follow along on Facebook. And if you're one of the patrons who's not in our Facebook group, um, you know, request to be in that. It's a Bowhunter Chronicle opportunist. It's only for patrons. I probably have like five or ten people a day try to enter that group, and I have to tell them no, it's just for patrons. Um, but there's a lot of fun stuff going on over there. So if you're if you are a patron and you're not in that group, definitely check it out. Um, and if you're not, no big deal. Just Please, if you're listening, tell somebody else about the podcast. You know, share it with somebody. Show them your favorite episode. Show them the episode where Uncle Frank throws a beagle into the trash compactor. Uh, the beagle is dead. But, yeah, uh, if you haven't listened to that one, go back and find that out. Uh, but thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. And enjoy the episode. <laughs> Hey everybody, Adam and John back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. We got Uncle Frank sitting here. Um, we're actually doing the first podcast from the new studio. So uh, when the video goes up, it looks a little sparse, but um, it's been hectic around here uh, the last <laughs> couple days, couple minutes, couple couple hours. Um, but uh, today um, it, we're, we're going to actually be talking about something that is rather timely Um you know, we're talking about, uh, it was going to be as we're headed out elk hunting, um, with backpacking nutrition, um, uh, you know, the, the freeze dried backpacking meals. Uh, but given the climate of the, the world today, um, these things are becoming a, a hot ticket item. Um, kind of a, one of those essential, uh, items here where we'll get into that. So, uh, we're talking with, uh, Matt from ReadyWise. Uh, one of uh, our past guests, Joe, a good friend of mine, he says, hey, you know, my neighbor is involved with this uh, company and big into the industry. You should give him a call. And that's just snowballed into, you know, a, a, a ton of different things and conversations with Matt. So uh, we really thank you for being on with us today, Matt. How, how are things out in Colorado? Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate uh, having me and being able to talk about this stuff uh, since it is so timely. So that's great, great timing on your part. Um, things are good here in Colorado. Uh, we have some cases. So I'm in western Colorado right now, and we have some cases of the coronavirus here, but um, not too many. Most of them are uh, up valley, so more like actually in the mountain towns, um, like Vale, Eagle, um, Aspen, um, Silverthorne, some of those areas. And then obviously Denver has quite a few, uh, cases of the coronavirus, but, um, nothing too major out here, but, you know, still practicing the, the, uh, safe distance thing and, um, you know, continue to, to be kind of quarantined at home just to be on the safe side and, and um, I definitely have a garage loaded up with uh, all kinds of um, products. So I think, <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I think our family, not just my, my our immediate family, but family around, you know, uh, if they needed anything, this is probably the, this is probably the central hub for food. So <laughs> things, things are, things are looking good here. 
Yeah, John walked in today with nitrile gloves on and uh, Lysol wipes, and he's spraying everything down and wiping down everything. That's awesome. It's uh, you know he's he's measuring uh, the new studio to make sure we're six feet apart, and you know it's just yeah, it's just pretty wild. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of crazy. I mean, um, you know, I I think there is a little bit of extreme tendencies happening you know and i i think some of it has to do with the the media i think they've you know over publicized it a little bit and, and stretched it some um so you have some cities that are you know kind of in this panic mode and obviously this whole toilet paper thing is just <laughs> insane i mean between that and the hand sanitizer is kind of insane but um you know but then there's other other states that I have friends in that I keep in uh, close contact with like Idaho and Montana. And it's like, Hey, we've got plenty of stuff in our stores. So I don't know what's going on in some of these other States, but so I, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting, you know, t- to see the differences and hear the differences in the different States that are, you know, either have a few cases or a lot of cases that people are just not as maybe overreactionary possibly yeah i mean so, like, um, but i i think about like when we were in idaho and like i mean those people plan for blizzards and rock slides and you know where they have to go to a rock slide and climb up it to get the mail handed over the thing and that's a part of their yeah. everyday you know a, a yearly occurrence so i don't think that yep. too much stirs them up where right you know, the, the social media is going to get to them. Right. Um, it's not like no. the city folk that are. <laughs> well, in, in yesterday, you know, my wife and I went to Sam's here in, in town in Muskegon. And there's absolutely the the bulk toilet paper and the and the paper towels. Are, it's gone. <laughs> Everything case-wise is gone. I was in Lowe's yeah. today. And I'm getting some, you know, wood for one of the projects I'm not working on. And they actually had toilet paper by the skids down the middle aisle like and i know menard sells groceries and stuff like that but lowe's yeah. does not sell toilet paper they might have some cleaning supplies usually but they literally had full skids stacked down the center aisle really of the weird. store so that's crazy <laughs> yeah but hmm. i did not buy any though <laughs> so <laughs> right <laughs> so, so let's get a little bit of background on you matt as far as um sure um because it, it's a really interesting story, and it's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you specifically. Um, because my background with like backpacking and freeze dried meals is that they're um, like a stopgap, you know. So it's something that you have to eat, and you just find the best one possible. And then with yeah. my history being, you know, from the military and eating MREs, is you know they're they're not great. So you pick through them and you figure out what you will eat and what is, isn't necessary. And, um, you know, you just kind of make do, um, yeah. but let's get a little bit of a uh, history on you and, um, you know, uh, your background, both personally and then into the industry and then, uh, the history with the company itself. Yeah. So, um, you know, as far as the hunting, industry side i've been in the hunting industry community now for about 15 plus years uh you know various pro staff positions um currently with uh first light and base map 
Um, so those are two of the biggest, uh, brands that, you know, I'm out there as pro staff ambassador representing. Um, and then, uh, most recently quiet cat, uh, e-bikes. So that's, that was a, a huge, um, opportunity for me also because it's a Colorado manufactured and owned company. Uh, so that made a cool, um, partnership, you know, me being a Colorado resident, obviously local. I grew up here in Colorado. So, um, so that was a cool partnership for me and for quiet cat. Uh, but in the kind of the culinary cooking food industry side, I I've actually been in the um, food industry now for 27 years. Um, various, various brands. I sold Mexican food as, you know, one of the sales guys, um, some different snack companies over the years, uh, owned my own peanut line, um, called Ricky's Lucky Nuts and ended up selling <laughs> and selling, selling, selling peanut, you know, flavored peanuts. Um, we created flavored peanuts and was messing around in the kitchen and, and, uh, came up with some cool flavors. And so we packaged them and started selling them all across the country to, to grocery stores, you know, and, um, then I sold some bath and beauty care products for a while. And, and, um, this opportunity with wise company came, um, about a little more than a year ago. Uh, you know, they ended up getting some new investors and a new CEO and, uh, so this opportunity was a, a great opportunity for me to kind of fit right into, you know, my passion for the outdoors and hunting and hiking and backpacking and camping. And um, at that time, they, you know, their primary business is emergency and survival. Um, but they had just launched a camping line of the adventure meals. And so, um then they launched a snack line of, of freeze dried fruit skews. And so it just, <clears throat> it, it made sense for me. Right. I mean, cause my passion is, you know, my passion is being in the outdoors. I have a culinary degree as a, as a chef. So, I mean, it just made this perfect full circle, um, turn for me that, you know, to kind of incorporate all of my passions together. And, um, so we started working on different recipes uh, with, um, well, basically all the new flavors that you guys got, we have the 13 SKUs of the adventure meals and, um, new recipes that we just launched, uh, late last, uh, year in, uh, October of 2019. Um, so we could have for spring camping summer season, uh, for 2020. And so far it's just, I mean, we're killing it. I mean, it's, it's doing great. Um, and it's been fun too, because now I'm doing, you know, different, very different, different things with not just the grocery stores and sporting goods stores like Sierra Trading Post and Cabela's and Bass Pro and, you know, all, all of these different, um, outdoor, uh, retailers. But, you know, we've been, um, able to partner up with Base Map and obviously partner with you guys and, so it's been um, great to just see different directions with the adventure meals take off for us. Yeah, and I mean, you know, having a a freeze dried food company in the Corona apocalypse isn't a 
bad thing. You know, you say business is really <laughs> right. taking off, but yeah. my yeah. goodness. And, you know, so I had reached out to you, uh, you know, through Joe and you said, oh yeah, well, I'll just take care of your, your food for your guys' elk trip. And I was like, okay, well, that's interesting because I'd be curious to see like what shows up and i came home one day and there's a stack of boxes as tall as i was <laughs> and i was like oh my gosh and then you know right? I, go, I go through it and I'm, then we're trying to figure out like you know you can't sit down and eat all of these at once you know so we did a video a, a few days ago um uh, testing these out and we just picked four the four of us sat down and said okay which one do you want to try which one do you want to try and then we just did a, you know we tried all of them um together but I can tell you what, it, it makes you feel, like you said, pretty good when you walk out the door to go to work and you walk past, you know, seven cases of freeze-dried meals. Everybody's <laughs> frantically worried yeah, about right. toilet paper. And yeah. <laughs> I'm going, that, yeah. that's no yeah. problem. Well, and, and I think the, the, you know, having that in your garage and, and knowing you have it as a backup for your hunting trips, I mean, not every single guy out there is doing the backcountry hunt, right? I mean, it's, it's pretty much at this point, it's a small group. I mean, all across the country and the majority of the guys that are doing it, you know, they're, they're, they're in the West, you know, let's say West of, West of Texas. I mean, that's where most of the backcountry hunting is. Or you've got the guys that like you guys coming out to Colorado this year uh, for your archery elk hunt and, you know, other guys in the, in the East, um, you know, they're buying up this stuff because they want to go on their first ever, you know, backcountry backpacking, you know, for five, 10 days or whatever. And, and so it's, it's great for me because, you know, as a chef, I mean, I've tried all the other freeze dried dehydrated, um, products out there. And, you know, and for me, and, and I'm not the only one because I get this all the time from um, various contacts in the industry, but they, you know, they're like, dude, I can't eat, I can't eat dehydrated food for more than maybe a couple days if I'm lucky. And I'm like, yeah, it's because, you know, I mean, look at the 17,000 different ingredients that's on the back of the product, you know, and, and unfortunately to make it dehydrated with some of the products that's the way it kind of has to be, you know, cause it has a, a seven to 10 to even 20 year shelf life, depending on the products that you're talking about. Right. So the, the one cool thing about the ready wise adventure meals is it, it is lower sodium, you know, and that's the, that's the biggest thing. I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when, you know, we started talking and having conversations that the hydration piece is, is major. I mean, if you're eating some kind of a backpacking, um, backcountry meal that has, you know, a thousand grams of sodium or, you know, whatever it might be, or, you know, seven, 800 grams of sodium. I mean, you're having to pound a bunch of water. Otherwise you're just going to retain all that sodium. And so, um, again, the cool thing is with the ready wise meals are <clears throat> anywhere from, like 35 to 50% lower sodium than the other uh, dehydrated freeze-dried meals that are out there on the market today. So, you know, we talked about this, um, uh, but it's been like two years now uh, on the podcast because we went two years ago and we did a, a Idaho trip. And 
what recommendations, I guess, from, you know, with what you do now, your experience um, in the backcountry, as well as um, your, your culinary background, what would you say to somebody like that's for, you know, we already talked about it. It's been a small population of people that are going to do a backcountry hunt. And so if you're an Easterner or a flatlander or whatever, like you <laughs> right. know, you're, you're from out here um, yeah. and like, you know, these meals are anywhere from, you know, six to $15 across the board, you yeah. know, you can't try every single one of them. And if nope. you're going to do a 10 day hunt, you know, and you're going to do two of these meals a day, you know, that's, if you get out there and you don't like it or you're sick of eating it. So uh, these are all th- yeah. questions that people have when they're not yep. readily available. How how do you recommend that people would approach that? And um, and, yeah. and as far as with their packing list and 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 kind of how to how to start. No, it's I mean these are all great questions. Um, a couple of years ago, I did a, a live podcast at the Total Archery Challenge um, in Salt Lake because we were all there, and you know. Um, I mean, it's a huge industry, uh, show and any, or event, I guess more than a show, but everybody's there at that event. And, and so, um, this was pretty much the same type of question that was asked for, you know, for that. And the biggest thing, well, actually the first thing I recommend is that you better be in shape. So if you haven't started working out and, and you're not, um, you know, building stamina, leg strength, uh, you know, and, and things like that and getting stronger, there's a possibility you're going to, it's going to be challenging for you. I mean, I, and I can just tell you that up front that, you know, you have to be in shape to come West and hunt these mountains. I mean, and it depends on where you're hunting. I mean, there's some hunts that are easier than others, but, you know, especially if you're going into the Idaho and Montana uh, areas that I've hunted for the last five years, dude, you gotta, you gotta be in shape or it's, it, it could kill you. I mean, I've seen guys, you know, they try to acclimatize, acclimatize the first day or two that they get there and it still doesn't work out for them. But as long as you're in shape, you know, that's going to be one of your biggest hurdles. Um, on the food side, you know, I actually recommend doing a kind of a mix, right? It's, it's a mix of dehydrated food and real food. So I, and I know that sounds, it sounds weird and interesting, especially for the guys that are doing full blown backcountry hunts. But if you stop and think about it, you can really, um, if you plan out your meals and you like actual meals, not the dehydrated meals, but if you plan out your meals and you're freezing them and you're vacuum sealing those meals. Um, you know, you can really make a lot of those meals that you've prepped at home or whatever it is. And you've put in the freezer cause they're vacuum sealed and you can make a five day hunt last out of those meals. If you, um, kind of switch it up, you know, every now and then, cause I mean, even I sell, I sell the, the ready wise meals, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's what I do. And, um, and I still take real food with me. I mean, there's nothing better than having a real meal of, 
you know, elk steak or elk hamburgers. I mean, that's, that's one of the biggest things is that I take with us when we're doing backcountry hunts, especially in Idaho, because we do several backcountry hunts every year for uh, spring bear, which we have coming up here in about a month. And I take elk hamburgers, um, for at least a couple nights, you know, so I freeze them, make them, freeze them, vacuum seal them. And I mean, you know, they'll start to thaw out, but as long as they're vacuum sealed and, and you kind of protect, protect the package, um, that's, that product is still going to stay frozen and somewhat cold for the various time that you're there. Okay. And so I, I guess, how do you, um, what what do you plan for that? Or I guess, how would you prepare? So if you've like, so for, for us, the three of us sitting around here right now, you know, having never done that, how do you, how would you set up that preparation? What would you say? Okay. Cause you know, you say, okay, well, if I'm going to bring hamburger, well, then what am I going to do with it? Right. So, I mean, are we bringing yeah, buns? I mean, and, I mean like, a no, typically, relish? so typically, yeah, it's not, it's not <laughs> anything like that. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty minimalistic, right? I mean, and it depends. I mean, some guys are doing this where they're taking, you know, um, I mean, everything is on your, your back, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so you're carrying a 70 pound pack. Each one of you are carrying a 70 pound or 75 pound pack. And you've got all your cookware, all your gear, everything in there. The biggest thing is divvy up the meals, right? So, you know, you're going to be making something. So like the way that I do it or the way that we do it. So there's two of us. I've got myself. I mean, and, and I try to, um, let the other guys do this too, but most of the time I do all the cooking. So, (laughs) and they, and they want me to do the cooking, right? Cause they know it's going to be, they know it's going to be good, but. Um, you know, I'm, I'm preforming, like I said, I'm preforming elk hamburgers. I'm, I'm vacuuming seal. So I vacuum seal it in vacuum bags, you know, and press and seal bags and, um, and put them in the freezer. So it's like, okay, so we get there on a Friday night. We know Friday night we're going to have burgers, right? Because we are like, okay, well, we've made these. So let's just do burgers on a Friday night. We'll, we'll pan sear them. We'll grill them up over the fire because I've got one of the, lightweight little grills that you can stick over the open fire. Um, and we're grilling that or something, or, or we're taking a, an elk tenderloin and slicing it up in chunks and we're grilling that up, you know, but all of this stuff is frozen. So it's planning out these meals. It's like, okay, well, we know, you know, we're there for five days. So Monday for dinner, we're going to do, or Friday for dinner, we're going to do the burgers. Uh, um, Saturday, it's going to be, you know, we're going to do the breakfast, uh, skillet, you know, and it's just pour in the hot water and eat out of the pouch. And then, and, and we may do lunch or we may not. It just depends on how many miles we're hiking that day, where we're going, you know, if anything, it's going to be more of a snack type of thing. It's going to be, um, I make elk summer sausage every, every year and I make it in bulk. So, I mean, it's, we've got these long sticks of elk summer sausage that, you know, we'll take with us and we slice them up and a little bit of cheese. And that's probably a snack for a few days. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's just rotating these different meals, you know, but it's, it's very minimal, um, ingredients, you know, some, a package of some vegetables, like maybe some peppers and some onions chopped up, 
and we're grilling that or sauteing them in a pan to go with some uh, venison tenderloin or, you know, venison backstrap or something like that. So it's, um, it's more protein driven, uh, not so much carb driven, except for we do take like little packs of, um, you know, almond butter or nuts or, uh, bars and, and things like that. But it's, it's all pretty super lightweight. Um, and I'm glad you're actually talking about this because I've had some requests, uh, recently to, to actually do like a bag dump that what I put in my bag for these backcountry hunts. And, you know, even if it's like a three day hunt, um, I've had some social media requests to, to do this kind of a bag dump of what's in my bag. And, you know, especially with spring bear hunt coming up, uh, in Idaho. So, um, so maybe I'll just have to make sure I do it sooner than later. <laughs> and that might actually answer some more questions. So, and like, so when we went, like, John thought I was crazy because I was like doing a lot of like ours was all protein, and yep. and then like I, I had five pounds of gummy bears, or, or I mean at least, <laughs> um, and it was just all of the the snacking. And what's funny is. So I did my own, just because I'm cheap, um, I like dehydrated my own meals. So I made meals yeah. at home, dehydrated yeah. them, and then just kind of rationed them out. And John had kind of like a menagerie of yeah, different. I, I went and got, you know, like three different brand, you know, packages of like, you know, same dehydrated meals that you make. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, <clears throat> I ended up. I tried a few of them before we left and got out there. But, like, what we did was we packed, uh, basically, we did a gallon bag per day. And so we we figured, our like, what we're going to do for breakfast, like a couple packets of instant oatmeal. And at first, I was I was doing, like, like almost a keto diet. I was doing low carb yep. and stuff, and that's yep. what I was trying to stick to. And then... We ended up talking to Mark from uh, Exo Mountain Gear, and he had, yep. he had talked to a nu- nutritionalist, and he's like, "You're going to need carbs when you get out there." And that's when that's what Adam was saying. I was talking to him like he was crazy because he had all the sugar and garbage, and I'm like, "Dude!" And then then we talked to Mark, and I was like, I went up to the store and bought like a whole case of. Uh, Snickers bars and oh, Pop Tarts, <laughs> and then end up awesome. I end up with so probably, probably about probably wrong cards, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, but yeah. Gummy yeah. bears. No, it's, yeah. So I mean, so that that's great that you bring that up because it is. I mean, I follow a keto diet as it is now. That's kind of my normal regimen when I'm, you know, coming off um, winter, late season. And, you know, coming into spring, I, I get back on a keto diet and exercise program and mountain biking and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, to get back into shape for spring, but it's, it, it is, it's, it, and you got to really, so understanding what the good carbs are, right? So, I mean, it could be, um, you know, obviously it's not snicker bars, it's not gummy bears, it's not, those types of things. And, and, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. I mean, guys say, Hey, you need sugar and you need carbs. And those are the first things that you think of, but 
you know, when you start looking and being becoming very cognizant of reading labels, you'll see almost everything has carbs. So it becomes a thing of, okay, well, you know, what, what has carbs that I can, if I'm going to cook something that I know it's good carbs, it's going to give me energy and it's going to be, um, you know, long lasting energy. So like rice, oatmeal, um, things like that. Those are, those are the kind of carbs that you're going to want to look for when you're doing, um, the backcountry hunts, like, you know, the chicken teriyaki with rice. I mean, that's a perfect example of an all in one meal providing protein and carbs, you know, and then you may get back to camp. So that could be your lunch, right? I mean, you could do something like that, depending on how many miles you're hiking and, and, where you're at and, you know, your, your exertion level, but, um, you know, and then you come back to camp and you're like, okay, I I know I've had my carbs for the day, so I'm just going to do, you know, some straight protein or something. The, the one thing about the dehydrated meals is, you know, it's an all in one thing. You've got your protein, your carbs, your sodium. I mean, so it's, it's your whole entire meal right there for you. Um, you know, but again, a lot of guys get tired of eating this kind of stuff all the time, especially for extended days. You know, when you start talking five, 10 days, you're going to get burnt out on dehydrated or freeze dried meals. So just having that break in between and separating the meals that, you know, you could even do like a little bit of, I mean, your, your, your peppers and your onions, I mean, they're, they have carbs in them, right? I mean, it's a minimal amount of carbs. But those are going to provide you with the kind of carbs and nutrition that you need, especially with how much energy you're actually exerting when you're climbing mountains and, you know, hiking 10, 15 miles a day and things like that. So it's, it's just becoming cognizant of the right um, nutritional pieces to, to feel, fuel what you're doing. Right. That's like we, I ended up, when, you know, as I was prepping to head out, I ended up making, they call it the butthole sandwiches with, uh, like the bagels, peanut butter, some bacon. So that had, you know, some pretty decent carbs. Yeah. Had, you yeah. Know, some good fats, proteins. And Adam couldn't hardly choke them down. He said they were too dense, but I mean, <laughs> the, I vacuum packed them. And matter of fact, I think I was even eating them on the way back home. I had like one or two left. They're the ones that yeah. I didn't eat. Yeah. But I thought they were great, but, but yeah, it was... yeah, actually that's that honestly, that's like one of my go-tos for lunch other than like, you know, the summer sausage and cheese and crackers that I do, Yep. We... but, um, either peanut butter, bacon and jelly or, um, just peanut butter and bacon sandwiches. I mean, those are awesome because it is, it's giving you the right fats and that's, I, I mean, obviously, so you're not the, the biggest thing is. You know, guys, when they come to the West and they start doing the backcountry thing, first of all, they've never done it. So they, they're not really sure what to do. So, you know, obviously there's a lot of questions involved, but I also see a tendency of guys completely overeating, right? Like the first couple of days, they're thinking, man, I'm camped out at 10,000 feet. I need to be eating, you know, three or 4,000 calories a day. It's like, wait, okay, chill out get, get there, get there for a day or so, let your body acclimate, you know, make sure your, your hydration, you know, is on point, 
And then that's when you're going to start to notice, you know, whether you should be eating more or eating a lot more, depending on the kind of miles that you're hiking during a day. So it's, and you're going to know your body over your buddy's body. What he's needing is going to be different than what you're needing. I mean, there's some guys that, dude, they eat all day long on a, on a trail, right? I mean, they've got they've got crap just stuffed everywhere in their pockets and in their hip belt <laughs> pockets. And, I mean, it's like every pocket they have something that they can grab for a snack. And, and it's because their body needs that fuel. Um, but a lot of times it's also because guys just – think okay i'm on vacation i'm hunting it's i I can eat whatever i want i can i'm doing what i want and i'm just going to eat all this stuff and it's really that's not the best thing to do i mean consider the food that you take with you as fuel and nutrition and nothing else you know you're, you're you're basically eating to sustain your energy levels and if you start to to feel tired then you know, you should be eating more calories. Well, and that's what I was going to ask is, is so how, um, what would you say is the, where you know that, that you're needing more fuel? Um, cause I don't feel like, like, like the guy that you're talking about that is, has food in every single pocket and is eating every single yeah. minute. That's me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what I was doing. But again, that kind of like goes back to like, you know, I was conditioned like in the military like that you might not get a time to eat so if you have a break if you stop then you should be eating something and you're gonna and you know so it's gonna be that trickle down effect like and so for me like my pockets always had something where if we stopped i was eating something (laughs) and yeah but i guess how do you know i mean if you just start to feel tired you know i i know if you get cramped up get That's right. So, so, but that's also a hydration thing too. So, I mean, if you're, if you're not staying hydrated, you're going to start getting leg cramps. You're going to, you know, your body's going to start to feel sluggish and, and pretty much. So it goes hand in hand, right? The nutrition and, and the hydration kind of goes hand in hand. And if you're not eating enough calories, you're definitely going to feel sluggish and you'll know like the, the first day you get there, you're, you're not going to feel anything, right? Cause you're, you're amped, you're jazzed, your adrenaline's going, you're pumped up, you're ready to be there. So it's like day one. Yeah. You're not going to know a thing except for, you know, you're not drinking enough water when you're getting, you know, when you're at 10, 10,000, 11, 12,000 feet. And so like day two and day three, that's when you're really going to notice it. Cause you know, day one, you're going to be so pumped up and then opening morning, you get up. You get going and you're like, oh, crap, dude, I don't feel all that great. Well, one is probably because you didn't drink enough water. So you're totally, you know, just knowing that you're at 10, 11, 12,000 feet, you haven't hydrated enough. And then that next morning you're like, okay, I need some energy. So it's probably a good thing to have like the breakfast skillet or some oatmeal or something like that, or even some granola, right? I mean, a little bit of granola, cause that's going to give you great fats. It's going to give you some great carbs, but that's long sustaining energy. So it's because of the, the way that your body breaks it down with, you know, different, um, breaks down the glucose and the, for blood sugar and things like that. So it's kind of like a time released energy. So just, just understanding your, your body and how you feel, um, is going to be vital to, you know, your performance in, in the back country. And then obviously there's, 
you know, mountain ops and wilderness athlete and, um, ready nutrients and things like that, that, you know, can help for additional performance, um, as far as hydration drinks and, and things like that. I use mountain ops. So, um, you know, those help too. Yeah. I brought, uh, it was called recover. It was a recovers Mm -hmm. and those were great, but you know, like when we're out there, you know, obviously I'm 45 older than Adam don't have the military background like he does, but you know, and I've always been like, I've always tried to be conscious of my nutrition and, and, yeah, and have the right fuels and stuff. And that was like, I was actually looking like when we were picking out our, our meals, I'm kind of going off base or, but I'm getting back to your product. When we were picking out our meals the other night and I, I picked out the, uh, the creamy pasta and chicken. Yeah. And so I'm like, this one like is perfect. It's got seven grams of fat. It's got, uh, 67 grams of carbs but it's got 33 grams of protein so it's like it's hitting all the bases for me plus it tasted great so those were the things like i'd you know that i'd look at for like a full meal but like when we were out there adam did have some of the uh we had the cheese and the you know like the smoked sausage or the salami salami, hard salami and but there was definitely times where either I, I, I always have to have a ton of water. I sweat like there's pictures of my hats. Literally like there's salt crystals growing off the top of my hat because I sweat so much. <laughs> right. And, yep. uh, and then, you know, so the sodium content was one thing that, you know, I was going, I was bleeding it out so fast, but then, you know, then there was another time like when we were climbing up a hill and all of a sudden I looked back and Adam was just like all of a sudden face just beat red shaking and he's like dude i need to i need to get some food in me he's like i didn't didn't eat enough yet and so that's just being conscious of your how your body is reacting especially and we weren't even at high altitudes we were only the highest we were at was like 6700 i think or 6500 yeah it was oh yeah yeah yeah. so we weren't yeah i mean from where we're at it's infinitely higher than where we're at but right we were averaging we in eight days we we averaged 13 miles a day you know, yeah, and it was, that's a lot. And it was hot too. Like there was days where it was 80 degrees up there. And literally, like I said, I have a two hat system. Where <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I sweat through one. I take it off, hang it on my pack and put the dry one on. And then right. <laughs> hopefully that one's dry by the time this one's soaked through. Yeah. But. And so we're, we're sitting here with, uh, you know, Frank's going to head out West for his first, western hunt and all this stuff is is new to him so what questions do you have frank about this whole thing like coming from your perspective being the first time you know kind of next uh older generation well you know whether or not i can do it or not is one (laughs) thing you know i'm 67 years old you know but uh, so you wanted to slingshot to shoot you up? yeah yeah that's what i asked one of the guys before you know at ata you know i said where's the big slingshot that you got you know shoot me up the hill (laughs) but uh no i i i think that uh it's going to be an experience you know and but i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm looking at this and i told the guy that's uh uh, he's my hunting partner i says uh i'm not gonna go out there and kill myself you know what i mean yeah I'm going to take it 
as it comes, you know, a day at a time or whatever, you know, a mile at a time or, you know, a half mile at a time, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to, well, you know. And, and that's the, that's the important part, right? I mean, everybody has their own pace. I mean, I'm a fast walker and, you know, I have buddies that hunt with me that they can't keep up with me and they, they hate that, but I'm a fast walker, but you know, it depends on the terrain too. I mean, you know, here in Colorado, um, you know, we have a lot of different terrain. I mean, we have high peaks, you know, to 14,000 feet. And obviously you're not hunting a, on a 14er, but I mean, you know, they're down in Southern Colorado. I mean, there's high mountain peaks down in Southern Colorado that we hunt that, um, you know, it's granite and, you know, straight up and straight down type of things. But, you know, we also have like here in Western Colorado and kind of like Northern Colorado, I mean, the elevation change is a little different and you, you know, you could start at base camp and you're at, you know, 5,000 feet or 4,500 feet. And, you know, by that afternoon you're at 7,000 feet. So it just kind of, there, there's so much variance that, um, you know, two, two things for you, Frank, I would, I would say is, um, go slow and, and take your time, um, you know, of course, like I said earlier, when you get there, you're going to be jazzed, your adrenaline's oh, going, yeah. you're pumped, you're excited to be there, you know, but try to stay, try to stay as even keel as possible because the, the last thing you want to do, cause that adrenaline will, you know, when it wears off, you're going to, you're going to feel it. You're going to yeah. be tired the next day, oh, yeah. you know? So, um, you know, just staying kind of even keel, not over anxious, um, or anything like that. And then honestly, just be prepared for different kinds of weather. Um, you know, I'm a huge proponent of wool, merino wool, mm -hmm. base layers, especially. I mean, obviously, you know, with first light, we have <clears throat> different um, mid to heavyweight wool layers and then outer layers for um, wool as well. But, you know, just being prepared for various conditions because I've seen it during archery season you know opening weekend it's 80 to 80 to 90 degrees and i've had snow that afternoon so um you know just kind of having having that mindset of being prepared so when i say this i know it's it's gonna sound kind of crazy but so be prepared but don't overpack okay right mm -hmm. i mean so it's it's just making sure that you have the right equipment for the conditions that you know you're going to be experiencing. Um, and that's why I say that if you're not using merino wool for, for backcountry hunts, then, then you, you, you're using the wrong gear. I, I mean, I, I know there might be some guys that totally disagree with me, but the, the, the huge advantage to merino is it's going to keep you warm when it's cold and it's going to keep you cool when it's hot. And when you start to sweat, it's going to wick that moisture away and you're going to dry out super fast. If you're using some kind of a cotton blend material or something like that, it's just, it's not going to work out for you. Right. Um, you know, and, and you're going to dry faster. You're going to stay warmer. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's just the materials made now for backcountry hunting and, you know, just the gear now for hunting is, um, you know, it's a little more expensive, but again, it, you get what you pay for. 
Um, just like with boots. I mean, you know, you, I usually take a couple pair of boots with me just to have an extra pair in case for one, because we put a lot of miles on during archery. I mean, I go through two pair, two sets of boots in a year. Um, so I'm buying, you know, two sets of boots at brand new boots every year, uh, for hunting because we put so many miles on and that starts from Turkey season all the way to, you know, late January, late season, um, for late season elk hunting. So, um, but you know, you get what you pay for in gear, boots, backpacks. What do you, uh, what do you recommend gear. for boots? I mean, as far as is, uh, say brand or so, style. So I, for years I used, um, Danner. I really like the Danner boots. I think that they, for one, they're a quality product. I think Danner makes great boots, um, for, for, Oh man, I would say for probably six plus years, I used the Danner higher ground boots. Um, and I had a version of the uninsulated and the, um, 400 gram insulated, you know, obviously for various seasons of hunting. Mm -hmm. Um, so I really like them. They're somewhat inexpensive. I mean, you can get into a pair of Danner uninsulated boots for maybe like 160 to 180 bucks. Um, great boot, great support. Uh, you know, Gore-Tex membranes, um, leather uppers, that sort of thing. Um, and then I recently, well, I would say within the last, uh, four years, I now have switched to crispy and totally love crispy. Um, I'm not associated with them. I just, I love their product. I think the, the, um, footbed for me, uh, you know, it fits great. I mean, I walk a lot of crazy terrain, whether it be in Idaho, Wyoming, here in Colorado. And I find the support is superior to the, the Danner boots that I've used. Um, but it's, it's give and take, right? I mean, you're going to have to try what's comfortable for you because the crispy boots, you know, depending on the kind of boot that you go with, and whether it's an uninsulated or an insulated boot, you know, the flexibility level rating is going to be different. Um, I actually like the uh, Crispy Colorados, which was a new boot for Crispy last year. Um, and I was using the Crispy Thors. I mean, I have quite a few pair of those and I think they're great boots and they're great boots for early season. Um, so, you know, turkey, spring bear, uh, into, um, uh, antelope archery season and maybe, maybe even into early archery elk season here in Colorado. And then after that, I, I would recommend, um, a little bit heavier boot like the crispy Colorado or crispy Nevada or something like that. Um, just a little more durable little stiffer for higher mountain terrain, um, rocky terrain, uneven ground, things like that. Cool. Yeah, it's I I ended up going with the crispy Thor and that was actually nice. a, awesome. It it, yeah. it was kind of a mistake for me though, coming from a flatlander, getting out there it was kinda of like skating for the first time and putting a pair of figure skates on. <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't have the support and by the end of the day when my legs and everything was fatigued coming back down the mountain I ended up like 
rolling my ankle a couple times and and I actually talked to Crispy when we were at ATA and he's like, Well, this is the boot that you need then. And that was yep. the new Colorado when they came out. He's like, This one's <laughs> right. got the support that you need for, you know, off camber and all that. But, yeah, I, I'm telling you that Colorado, so I I tried it uh when they first came out with it. Um well they launched it in spring of I actually think it was spring of twenty was Maybe it was spring of 2018 or 2019 or fall of yeah anyway they i mean they it's, it hasn't been out on the market very long and i tried it when it first came out and i was like oh my gosh this boot is way different than my thor boot you know and and it's a variation of the crispy summit mm. um so it's basically like a reinvented mm. model of the crispy summit and Oh my gosh, that thing is, I, I love it. I wear it everywhere. I mean, it, it definitely provides me with the support that I need. Um, you know, and, and there's different lacing techniques too. So if, you know, depending on, um, I kind of go with a more traditional lacing technique, but you know, you guys might find depending on how your feet, uh, feel in the, and you can do this with the Thor. I mean, you can do it with all boots, but, um, you can do it with the Thor too, but, you know, just different lacing techniques as far as if, if it feels like your, um, instep is a little bit too tight, you can take the top, you know, that front lace out and switch it to the second and, and just do some different lacings, um, you know, to alleviate things being tight around your feet and, and, and also how much weight you're carrying in your pack too. I mean, that's going to be, that's going to be a, um, a factor as well. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I love my, I still wear them all the time. I nice. just, you know, mowed my lawn and did everything, walked around <laughs> the lake. You know, when we were getting, when we were getting ready, that's what I was doing was, uh, and, oh. and our listeners, you know, they, they've heard this many times, but I would have my pack on with 40 or 60 pounds and I'd have all my gear on and I'd be out mowing the lawn, just, you know, going up and down the hill. I'd walk the dogs yeah. around the lake with all, you know, some people look at me like I was crazy. Then the other ones would be like, where are you going out West? You know, <laughs> that's awesome. And, uh, but nice. that was, that kind of nice. leads me into a, another question. Um, so <laughs> yep. obviously you, you said you get back into shape in the spring and stuff. And, and I've yep. been like, I have a bad back. So I, I use an elliptical to, to kind of supplement my workout but like for frank yep. would you recommend like say like a stationary bike or something to help build up his you know wind and stamina something that's like a low impact or i mean yeah i mean you know it depends i like for me i do um i do the treadmill um you know i at least try to do it 20 to 25 minutes every day and then usually I mean, depending on my work schedule and travel schedule, I'm trying to mountain bike in the, in the afternoon. I mean, I live, you know, 10, 10 minutes from a lot of great trails here in Western Colorado. So it's easy for me to hop on my bike and just hit the trails from my house. And you can fire um, up that quiet so that makes just it, get back that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it makes, yeah. I mean, obviously the e-bike makes it, but I, I will tell you, so it's funny because I, I bike with a lot of guys and, you know, the one thing that I'll tell you with the e-bike 
and I love having an e-bike because the thing is amazing, but you'll end up going a lot further than what you think you're going. And you're like, oh, crap, I just went like 15 miles. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, um, all right, well, that's cool. And, you know, you're, you're, you know, kind of gives you more guts, right? I mean, you're like, okay, I'm going to go further now because you have the uh, battery assist. And so you're, you feel um, less fatigue. Uh, but the other thing, too, that I noticed over the last few weeks when I've been out um, scouting for turkeys is that I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go up over that hill. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm like, wait a second, dude. I'm like, if you would have been on a real bike, you would have never done that. I'm like, so, you know, kind of, I was like, uh, all right, well, that's cool. So now just remember, you got to come back down that same hill. Um, you know, so, so, that I, but, you know, again, I, I love it. So, you know, it, it's all about your, what works for you. Right. I mean, so that's the biggest thing that, you know, I think a lot of guys maybe don't realize or they do realize it, but they, they try to overdo it. And I mean, so if an elliptical works for you, Frank, or even if a stationary bike works for you, I mean, do what works for you that's comfortable for you because you, you're not, don't do something that's not going to be comfortable for you because you're going to do it. You're going to do it a couple times. And you're like, dude, this sucks. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> and then you're going to say, screw it. And then come, and then come, uh, mid August, you're like, Oh crap. I, I haven't done anything now. And I'm three weeks away from my trip. Right. Now, what am I going to do? Right. 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 So, I mean, honestly, and, and I'll be honest with you, there's no, um, where you guys are because I have some friends in, in Michigan that came out here hunting and I took them and we were hunting at, you know, almost 11,000 feet and they hated me for the first couple of days. Cause we were walking, you know, 10, 12 miles up and down cliffs and mountains. And they're like, yeah, this sucks. Uh, you know, you said get in shape, but we didn't know it was going to be like this, right. you know? And I mean, so it's, there's not, there's nothing that replicates the same kind of terrain that we have here in the West for you guys to try to um, replicate to train with. Right. So right. with that being said, it's, it's about building up stamina. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, walking, you know, you really want to, you know, try to start walking long distances. If you can, if you can do it on the concrete or, you know, from your house or park or football track or, or whatever it might be. And I highly recommend doing lightweights. I mean, some of these guys, you know, like the, um, train to hunt guys and fit to hunt now and this and that train to hunt and lift to hunt and all these things. I mean, all those things are great, you know, cause everybody, at least they're doing something to get in shape because it, it can be very strenuous. Um, you know, especially if you get something and you're packing it out however many miles, um, but at least some kind of lightweight training to help build your, your muscles up and have some strength. I don't think you need to start doing, you know, start with 10 pounds and all of a sudden by June, you're, you know, you're lifting 300 pounds. And, and I mean, that, that you honestly are not going to get any benefit from that. I mean, so like for me, I do kind of like this circuit training regimen 
And that's what I've always done. I've done, you know, the, I start off with cardio, obviously, to get my blood pumping and everything moving in the right direction. And then I start doing the circuit training where it's, you know, it's basically I'm doing, you know, chest, shoulders, back and legs. And it's basically um, till burnout. So I'm doing I'm doing like, you know, 50 squats and I'm doing, you know, 50 bench presses and, you know, uh, I don't know, 50 uh, curls and, you know, things like that. But it's it's all about just getting that pump and because you're just trying to tear those muscle fibers to build strength. That's how you're building strength. Right. And so so if you just do this, do that on a consistent basis, you're going to get in shape. So I have a question for you just on that note is like I I kind of I think part of it is because like I sweat like like John's talking about, you know, yep. like so I never do cardio first. I always do cardio at the end. Um, oh, yeah. And the reason I do it that way is I feel like the hard part's going to come after I've already done the work. You know what I mean? So. I yeah. work out and like break myself down and then I run. Yeah. And my reasoning yeah. is, is that like, that's when I'm really going to need it is sure. I need to be able to yeah. do that at the end. But I was just curious as like, if there was like I, a, no, I, I, no, I like it. I, I think it's great. I mean, <clears throat> you know, again, it's, it's all about what works for you and, and you know, your body better than anyone else. And so, you know, if, if works to, I mean, I've seen some guys where they, the, in, in the gym and obviously all the gyms are closed now, but, um, so you can't go to a gym. So, but I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I've seen guys, they'll do like this weird CrossFit type of thing where they're, you know, they'll go and do, uh, I don't know, 10 or 15 pushes of the big tractor tire and then they're doing sprints and then, you know, then they go over and they're doing dumbbells and then they're, you know, doing pull-ups. And so, I mean, it's just, I think that as long as you're doing something that's going to activate those muscle fibers and, and help building up that stamina, that's really what's going to get you the most benefit. But again, it could be that, you know, starting cardio or weight training first and doing cardio last is better for you. Um, this is just what I've always done. And, and I know it works for me and I lose weight real fast that way so that's what <laughs> so that's what i do <laughs> yeah i usually just like a, i i try to do the elliptical every morning and at least 30 minutes but i'll do it and then yeah then i'll i'll so i'll get up go down get in my elliptical get warmed up you know do my 30 minutes and then get into doing the weights but just because i want to get yeah. warmed up and get my muscles you know with a low impact yeah Hey, hey by, by all means, I am not a, I am, I, I profess this right here with you guys tonight that I am not a fitness <laughs> expert, weight training expert. I mean, nothing. I, I just back in the, in my high school and college days, I did some bodybuilding. And so I, I know what works for my body and, and you know how, and still at 45, I'm, it takes me a little longer than it used to, but I mean, it still works for me and watching my nutrition and, you know, things like that. Cause the sad thing is, is I like food too much, right? I mean, <laughs> I'm a chef, so right, I like to exactly. eat great food and I like great flavor. And, you know, so, um, 
it's it's actually been kind of fun for me because you know with the with the adventure meals and having input in recipes and you know taste testing those things um you know i knew that the, i know that the meals are are great nutrition um you know and then just following a, a pretty strict uh, nutrition regimen like i said that the i i do keto keto is not for everybody but for me i mean i'm not that much of a desserts person so sweets for me is not a big deal um you know so i would much rather have more steak than a piece of cake or pie at night or or donuts or whatever it might be um or both it's just yeah it's just what works yeah (laughs) so so with your um like culinary background and like with the backcountry um can you give us maybe some of like your i don't i don't know maybe like it's not like insider or anything like that but like what would be something that would be like a real treat, like a like one of your recipes or pairings or something that you would bring to go yep. along to break the monotony or yep. or something like that, where guys that were on the hunt with you would be like, oh my god, I'm definitely doing that the next time. Because one yeah, of the things so- like for with with the the military or whatever, and like even even John like for us like like those gummy bears or that Snickers or whatever was like a morale booster. You know what I mean? So that one thing you pull out halfway through the hunt and you're like, Oh my God, that's what we're looking forward to. So one of the cool things, um, with Colorado is there are lakes everywhere and high mountain lakes everywhere. So I always take my, um, pack rod with me and I would say, probably 98% of the time I'll catch at least a, you know, a two, three fish and be able to grill those up over an open fire and season those up and, and do the, do a, a trout, you know, whether it be a brook trout or rainbow trout over the open fire. I mean, that's, that's huge right there. I mean, you know, and obviously if you're, whether you're rifle hunting or archery hunting, if you get an animal and, and have the opportunity to harvest a, a deer or an elk or whatever it might be, you know, being able to cut off a piece of tenderloin or backstrap. I mean, that's, that is huge. I mean, guys, th- I mean, that's, that's like the ultimate, um, the ultimate morale booster right there. I mean, it's like, you know, fresh harvest meat and it's, you did it right. I mean, it's all about everything that you just did today or, over the several last several days. So I always make sure to um, carry some different seasonings with me, you know, some mixture of different seasonings, um, salt, pepper, garlic, salt. Um, I actually have a line of uh, seasonings called game chef seasonings. So there are different um, wild game seasonings that are available. So um, we formulated some seasonings kind of specific to wild game flavors, uh, game fish you know different um elk and deer and beef and things like that so it's uh those those are kind of my treats you know being able to cook something like the fish or you know um even a couple years ago when i got my bear being able to to 
take the back straps and tenderloins off the bear and grilled those up and made uh, bear fajitas. Uh, the guys that were with me, they they thought it was awesome. And and then it was our first time to all of us. It was our first time to ever have bear. So that was that was pretty awesome. You made sure to cook it all the way through, right? <laughs> I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we we made sure to cook it all the way through. Don't want to end up with the trigonosis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, which was kind of hard for me because normally I'm not a, I'm not a well done, burnt to the crisp kind of guy. I like my stuff, you know, rare to medium rare, and it was. So I'm like, oh, I think it's finally done because it's been on here for an hour. So <laughs> it was black beer, right? <laughs> it was black beer for sure. Yeah. Blackened, blackened beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so kind of circling back with like the uh, ready wise and the these these meals, like you've helped create some of the uh, recipes and 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 things like that. So what ones would you recommend for people to, to start out with? Or if, you know, the, the, that's the hard part is trying to figure out. And, and you said one of your favorite ones is the breakfast skillet. And when we were, you know, doing our draft, as far as like, which ones we were going to go, that one was one of the last ones because John had tried some of them and I've had the MRE eggs and they're just, they taste like shit. So I was like, I'm staying away from powdered eggs. Right. And I actually still have some in my Bronx box. I still have some egg packs that I never even made when we were out West two years ago, but it was just, I, but they weren't yours. Obviously they were a different brand. And, and I was like, you know, we, so we actually do, um, well, we actually do a food bucket or several food buckets, obviously for emergency and survival. But, um, one of our most popular, uh, food buckets is our egg, um, bucket and it's, and it is, it's powdered eggs, but our recipe for our powdered eggs are amazing. And, um, you know, and, and again, there's all different types of dehydrated meals out there and, you know, guys like what they like, but, I would say that the formulations that we have come up with and that we worked with, with our um, R and D team and putting these four formulations together. I mean, these recipes are pretty similar to home cooked meals, as similar as you can get to home cooked meals, you know, for dehydrated food. And that's one of the things that, you know, one of the things to take away from this whole thing on, on dehydrated freeze-dried, you know, backcountry camping meals is that, you know, we are trying to create the experience that, um, you know, you would somewhat be able to replicate at home because, again, you know, we, we get comments and I'm sure all the other manufacturers of the similar type of products get it too, is that, you know, oh, it tastes like plastic or, you know, it tastes like this or tastes like that. But, that was one of the things that, you know, that we really took pride in and, and time as to really come up with some great formulations and, and make it as close to uh, a home cooked meal. Like, like I told you earlier, the lasagna, um, is, is another one of my favorites because, um, you know, definitely had some input in, into that recipe. And, and so that's, uh, you know, Literally, I, I, t- everywhere I go, I taste test that product to, you know, different 
retailers because one, I like it and I know it always comes out great. And people love home cooked lasagna. I mean, when you make, when you make lasagna or spaghettis and, and meatball and things like that at home, I mean, th- those are, those are things that give back memories, right? I mean, your mom maybe made lasagna back in the day or spaghetti and meatballs or whatever it might be. So it just kind of brings this, this whole thing full circle to, you know, I'm, I'm out here for 10 days and I want a home cooked meal. Oh, I'm going to have lasagna because I know it tastes like my mom's lasagna or whatever it might be. Um, yeah, so I definitely recommend, uh, the, um, egg scramble, the lasagna, the noodles and beef is another one of my favorites. Of course, I love mushrooms. And so there's mushrooms in there. So it gives it this real nice earthy texture and, and flavor to it. And, um, I just think it's a, I just think it's a well-rounded meal for being out in the back country and, and having a warm meal in the evening time, you know, when you come back to camp, but I'll tell you our Mac and cheese is freaking awesome. <laughs> well, so and- if you have, if you haven't tried the mac and cheese yet, then you guys need to open some of that up and try it like right now because it's good. <laughs> well, and, and so, like I said, we we just couldn't sit down and eat all of them. And that was one of the ones that was like, well, you know, how can they jazz up macaroni and cheese? I was real excited about the cheesy potato soup. That one was a little bit salty, but I can tell you yeah. this. When we mixed it with the lasagna, it was probably the best thing we ate all night. Um, just because the lasagna <laughs> awesome. was a little bit spicy and it, it yeah. kind of toned it down a little bit. Yep. And the yep. funny thing about that, you say that beef and noodles and the mushrooms, these guys are giving me like the side eye about the whole thing because I don't eat vegetables. I don't care for vegetables. They're not my thing. Yeah. It's more of a texture thing than it is like a flavor thing. I just sure. have a weird, weird, like, palate. I, I get it. Yeah. No, um, I, I get it. Yeah. But with that, Beef and noodles, that I, I, that the chicken and pasta, I think, was the overall winner. Uh, could yep. have used a little bit more salt. I think we all said it was just like a little bit under-seasoned. But the that beef and noodles with mushroom sauce or whatever, they were all yep. looking at me like, oh, you got to try this. And we, you know, we're on video doing this whole thing. <laughs> and uh, there were no chunks of mushroom or anything like that. The no. flavor was uh-huh. amazing. And so for me, yep. everything is a texture. Thing. so if sure. you can make it if you can hide it in there and give me the flavor then that's right. great and it was a really good um yeah what know? i what i mean like in, in our in that video that we did what if if you like lasagna you're gonna like this lasagna oh, if yeah, you absolutely. like you know it's like whatever like if you like pasta and chicken or you know chicken alfredo people need to just try that and then go out of the you know Get out of your comfort zone and try something different. The lasagna yeah. tasted great. My problem, like, I have heartburn a lot. And so, like, oh, especially yeah. if, we're, if we're coming back to camp and that's going to be the last meal of the day and I'm going to go right to sleep, and yeah. uh, then I'm going to have problems sleeping because I'm going to have, you know, spicy. Sure. And that's just, you know, because I'm old. and No, you you're know. not old. <laughs> you're just a candy ass. <laughs> but I love the, like, the, the, the beef and noodles and the the chicken the creamy pasta chicken that that was yeah. great you know so and, well, and, and, and so a couple of recommendations like on the um, 
So the other two breakfast items that we have, the apple cinnamon cereal and the strawberry granola crunch. So a couple of things like literally we'll take like the apple cinnamon cereal and, and I'll open up a, I'll open up a bag and I'll um, pour a little bit of it in uh, like a small little snack size Ziploc bag. And I'll keep some of that in my pocket because that's like a, I mean, so you can either add, you know, milk to it, or you can add hot water to it or whatever and make it into a cereal. But it's awesome just to have it, you know, in a little baggie that you can put in your hand and pop in your mouth for, you know, a quick little crunch or snack, you know, as you're going up the trail. So that's like your granola, your granola bar, right? I mean, so it's, I mean, it serves as the same purpose. And again, it's, it's the good carbs, it's the quality carbs and it's got, it's, you know, definitely has some of the the sodium in it it has the sugar in it and then obviously the carbs but you know it's providing all of that um all those essential nutrients that you need plus plus the texture that crunch that you know sometimes your body just craves crunch you know especially when you're out there for however many days and you just want something crunchy to to snack on and so um definitely recommend trying the the two cereals because you can do a lot of different things with it well again these all showed up to my house and i'm the gatekeeper for the entire podcast i'm the yeah i'm the <laughs> puppet master um and <laughs> i brought the, all the one of every single one of the meals that we were going to heat up and eat over in one of the granola boxes and john's like what the hell is this like where's the Where's the granola? Where's the where's the apple cinnamon? Where's the, where's the strawberries? I don't the see cookie, the cookie dough bites. Cookie dough bites. The yeah. cookie dough bites yeah. didn't make it over here until the night, and it's an open package, so you know what's going on well, with that. Right. Oh my god, dude! I'm telling crunching you, the, going co- on. The, the cookie dough bites are out of this world. I mean, they're like Captain and, and Crunch on crack. <laughs> yes, they. You know what? That's an awesome example. Yeah, I mean, those things. It is. It's no problem for me to be sitting there and eat a whole bag myself. <laughs> I mean, because they're they're so damn good. I mean, they're just like yeah. So I mean, at this point, these the cookie dough bites. So we have them uh, have distribution on those um, nationally in sporting goods stores. And because they've been so popular, so we now are coming out with some other cool flavors that um, are similar to the cookie dough bites because, you know, guys are looking for, you know, they, they want that sweet treat after or even women too, um, you know, <laughs> hunters there. They, they want that sweet treat or snack, you know, whether it be during the day or they want it at night after they've eaten or you know, they're just sitting around camp and they want to snack on something. I mean, it definitely provides the perfect snack option. And that's one of the things that, you know, um, you know, when you look at the, the camping, um, segment in the different outdoor retailers, that's one of the pieces of that segment that lacks is there are no, you know, there's like freeze dried ice cream and, you know, some things like that, but it's, not all that great. I mean, so, you know, this is just something different that provides that, that same dessert feel when you're out camping and playing around. So you're, I was just kind of curious. We've talked about out West and stuff, you know, the, yep. the hunting aspect and in, in the backpacking there. What about like the Eastern coast, like the, like the Appalachian trail and stuff like that? Are you affiliated with, you know, 
retailers there too. I mean, in, uh, oh yeah, East? yeah, yeah. No, we have just yeah, we have distribution nationally. So okay. I mean, um, Academy Sports, Dick Sporting Goods. Um, so yeah, it's Walmart, Sands okay. Club. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, we have distribution everywhere. So not just in the West. Because I think we're that, based out know. we're based out of Salt Lake, but uh, okay. yeah, not not just Western states. I would think that would be a big plus out there. You know, what I mean. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> John saying it's Appalachian, Appalachian, Apple cinnamon, Appalachians, you know. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, actually, no, we're getting ready to do. Uh, and if you go to our website, uh, readywise.com, the, we're um, doing this huge promotion that uh, we're sponsoring a giveaway um, for the uh, hiking um, of the Pacific Crest Trail. And so it's like this, it's like this 10 day backpacking trip and we've got a bunch of different, um, brands and manufacturers that are supplying, you know, different gear. And we're obviously supplying all the food and we've got a tent company and a backpack company and, um, jet boils, uh, doing the, the stove and, you know, all kinds of goodies. So it's just some cool, um, PR to get the brand out there and, and get uh, get some more recognition of the different products that we have. Cool. So, in one thing that I, I I gotta ask, and it just is in the the climate of of today's world yep. with this. One of the things I had on my list that we didn't talk about was like the expiration dating. And so we we, <laughs> we talked to yeah. um, you know one of our buddies, a good good friend, helped us out a lot this year at ATA. Uh, Brett with the Tioga Rise, and they do the dehydrated, you know, they do instant coffee, but he was taking us through, like, the freeze-drying and all the reverse osmosis crap that yep. has to happen to keep the actual flavor so it doesn't taste like dirt. Um, yep. So with these products, and they've got a five- and a ten-year shelf life, or, you know, like you had alluded to earlier, um, what does that mean? Who sets that? thing you know so myself um you know i'm a pharmacist we do a lot of compounding and the rules and regulations are ridiculous to a degree um yeah you know we've been doing it like our our family's been you know in the pharmacy business and compounding for 30 years plus and in that time frame you know expiration dates were liberal and then an event happens somewhere and it gets more stringent as it should. And then it, things just keep happening. And so now it, it's, it's a bit ridiculous. And so I have to tell patients like, well, the law says that I have to tell you this, yeah. but 30 years ago, three years ago, this is the way we used to do it. So yeah. with this dating well, in the climate yeah. of today, what does that really mean? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, it's the same. I mean, it's the same kind of guidelines for food, right? I mean, we're definitely regulated by the FDA. Um, and then, you know, depending on whether our, our products have meat, um, I mean, some of obviously most of them have meat products or soy products or, um, things like that. So, you know, we definitely have strict guidelines too, as far as what we can put on for, um, expiration dates and, you know, like the backpacking 
<clears throat> the adventure meals. I mean, they have a five year shelf life or, uh, freeze dried fruit items. They have a three year shelf life. And then when you start talking about like some of the, um, uh, emergency food buckets that we have, and obviously these products are sealed in bags, you know, they're vacuum sealed in bags, they're flushed with nitrogen. So that also helps, um, uh, shelf life as well, flushing the bags with nitrogen and then vacuum sealing the bags. And then, you know, we're sealing them in these different, um, buckets and totes and things like that. So, you know, that helps obviously no oxygen or air is getting in any of those products. Um, but you know, it's, I, I too would say, Hey, you know, this meal, we have to tell the consumer that, Hey, it has a 10 year shelf life, but in all honesty, you know, we've done different R and D testing to where, you know, we are giving those, given the guidelines from the FDA and, and what we can legally say, um, to the consumer and, and, you know, package on or stamp on the product. But there's, there's products that we have that, you know, are 15 years old that they're still fine. You know, and I mean, obviously there, there's going to be, if the package is not open, I mean, there's going to still be some breakdown because you and I've kind of talked about this, you know, chemical makeup and breakdown and breakdown and consistency of some products. So, I mean, there's going to be some breakdown, but if the package isn't opened and, and it's been sealed and stays sealed and that bucket's completely sealed, I mean, it'll last for 25 years. Yeah, I was just I'm I got your packages here. You're gonna want if you really want a long shelf life, then you go with like the lasagna or the noodles and beef because the ones here are good till 2035. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, then the creamy chicken and pasta is good till 2026. So yeah, the chicken must have a, a lower shelf life or something, but the <laughs> 15 years. Oh yeah, I don't think we're uh, gonna be worried yeah. about that one <laughs> yeah no it's it's um and, and again you know especially with all the the stuff that's going on right now around the world you know because it's now it's not it's not just in the country it's the whole entire world i mean every everybody's going through this thing and um you know having that long shelf life and i think it's it's a comfort zone thing too right i mean I walk into a grocery store here in Colorado and the entire, and, and that's what I, that's what I find that's somewhat so funny about this whole thing. And I mean, it's not funny but, and I'm not trying to make a joke about it, but people aren't thinking about this, right? I mean, they're going in and they're buying all this food and I've seen people in Sam's club even here where they bring their entire family in and they've got like three carts for an entire family and it, there might be four or five people in that family. I'm like, wait a second, dude. I'm like that, that, uh, salad or that, you know, uh, ro bag of romaine lettuce that you just bought two or three of, uh, unless you're eating salad every single day for the next five days, it's going to go bad. Right. You know, it's not like you can freeze lettuce and it's not like you can freeze you know, a lot of these different things. And I'm like, you're, you're just buying because you're in a panic mode right now. And, and that's the thing that, I mean, even like fruits, right? If you're not, 
if you're not taking those fruits and you're making, if you're not like dehydrating and you're making, not making, um, dried fruits or different things like that. I mean, half the fruit that you buy anymore in stores, you know, by the time you get it from the supplier and it gets on the store shelf, it's already, you know, maybe has, maybe has 20 days shelf life on it. If you're lucky, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So, I mean, um, it's just people are are just buying because they're in this panic mode because they don't know what's what's happening and they literally are just overreacting to some of this stuff because that the sad thing is is a lot of that food's just going to go bad and and they've just not not only have they wasted money but now they've bought so much of it that you know maybe somebody else could have bought some of it so you know knowing that we have the kind of meals that we have available whether it be on the survival side and our survival backpacks or, you know, in our emergency food buckets and things like that, that, you know, it's, it's not going to go bad, you know, for 20 years or 10 or 15 years as um, I think for a lot of people and obviously for the, the ones that are, you know, preppers um, is a pretty cool thing and, and definitely a peace of mind that, Hey, you know, like when you walk into my garage, I have like a whole entire top shelf of food buckets. And I, I, some of my friends have come into my garage and they're like, are you preparing for the apocalypse? I'm like, yeah, man, if it happens, I'm ready. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? Right. So it's like, well, hey, it's, you know, I know it's going to be good for 20 years. So why not? Why not have it? Yeah, there's none of us like that sitting at this table. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, everybody's panic buying all this stuff, and I'm like, I'm looking at solar energy and like <laughs> other yeah. sorts of things because I'm like, I'm like the rest of it is gonna like work itself out. Um, <laughs> I've already got that that sort of stuff taken care of. Um, yeah. Re- you know, we've kept you here for uh, you know quite a while. You know, over an hour and a half now. Um, yep. one of the things that I wanted to ask you just because you've got your, uh, you know, culinary background, we talked about it before, uh, you know, I'm going to ask you this question, um, with Turkey season, I want to know <laughs> yeah. a whole bird recipe. So not just the okay. breasts, not just, yep. you know, um, you know, rip the drumsticks off, throw away the, yeah. you know, you know, when you shoot, shoot a wild Turkey, you know, for anybody who hasn't eaten one or, or you know tried i guess because you're you're it's kind of like the big bucks right you're getting the old yep version of 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 the the animal you know not not so much in the spring i mean honestly so here's here's the difference you know so you can and i think that most states are like this um but you know spring turkey compared to fall turkey little little different um, you know, spring turkey for Tom's or Jake's, you know, less fatty. Obviously, they're, you know, getting all worked up and they're getting into the, the whole mating thing for um, spring. So less fatty. But I'll say depending on or w- whether you're hunting spring turkey or fall turkey, the biggest thing that I get and I see this, I mean, literally my social media has already started blowing up guys asking me for, you know, spring Turkey uh, recipes. And it happens every year is that the, the biggest mistake people make when they 
get a turkey, whether it's spring or fall, is one, they don't pluck the bird right away. So they don't dress out the bird and they don't pluck the bird right away. Huge, huge, huge key. I mean, just like when you're hunting big game, you know, dressing out a deer or an elk, I mean, getting that hide, you know, getting it dressed out and getting that hide off is a huge key to that, that meat tasting completely different than leaving the hide on for, for several hours. So it's the same exact thing for poultry, you know, get that game, uh, that bird, whether, I mean, even, I mean, you and I've even talked about grouse, right, Adam? I mean, Mm -hmm. same thing. It's, you know, whether it's grouse, whether it's pheasants or ducks or geese, I mean, getting those feathers off and getting everything cleaned out as quickly as possible because, I mean, those birds are holding in heat just like we do, right? Just just like humans and just like big game. So, you know, getting it um, uh, plucked and dressed out. And then the biggest key before you cook it, 24 hours the day before you cook it, is you're brining it in a solution. And typically that solution consists of Sugar, salt, water, and fruit items. So, I mean, like for me, I have big um, buckets. They're like, you know, a bucket that, a five gallon bucket that you buy at Home Depot or Lowe's. I have several of them here at my house, and I use, well, I use some, I mean, they all have different uses. Most of them are for pellets for smoking, but, you know, I have ones that I use for food. And I do a, so it's 50% sugar, 50% salt, and then, um, warm water, let the water, uh, stir the water around to dissolve the salt and sugar mix. And I usually use like a combination of oranges, lemons, and limes, squeeze them in there and then let them set. And then what that's doing is it's just providing, basically you're tenderizing the bird, right? You're adding moisture to the bird. You're tenderizing it with the um, with the citric acid, and it's and that bird is just pulling in all the moisture uh, from the salt and and from the sugar water solution. And I'm telling you, it's literally. I mean, if you've ever cooked a bird and it's been dry, it's because you you've overcooked it and you've cooked all the moisture out of it. I mean, obviously, that's why it's dry. So if you start adding moisture to it before you cook it, it's going to stay dry. And so Frank, I mean, moist. Like, stay moist. Yeah. So like in Frank and John, maybe they've got more uh, insight into this because before I married into this crazy family of Grizzly Adams and his band of merry men, um, I, I, I never turkey hunted. So, you know, yep. we just would, you know, basically now we cooked i shot a, a bearded hen we cooked the legs on that one mm-hmm. and um but we just take the breast and deep fry it basically so what what has been your issues with cooking whole birds or like the i've i've done i've done whole birds before but but we we've done them in in cooking bags you know in the oven yeah and uh-huh. and yeah. uh the, i thought they were great you know i mean there's a lot of people that don't some of the some of the leg meat and the thigh meat, you know, that stuff is a little it's a little tougher, but a little uh, darker too than people yep. you know prefer. Yep. You know, but yeah, wild wild bird is dark. Right. It's pretty much all dark meat. Yeah. But I've never had I've really never had an issue, you know, as far as 
flavor wise or anything like that you know and, and if like say if you deal them in a cooking bag they, they're they're tender they're plenty tender well yeah cook, uh, yeah cooking bag is i mean basically a cooking bag acts as convection right i mean that's right. what it's doing it's 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 um yeah i mean the process is the convection process that you know it's just this um circular uh motion of moisture and and continuous heat so i mean that bird is basically being basted in its own juices Mm -hmm. you know the whole entire time so yeah that's a that's a great way to do it so one more question i i always ask um our uh, guys we're interviewing what what's your bow setup and uh you know the whole thing yeah, so I actually um, am using the uh, new Elite Ember, um, and I have the all the C, um, uh, CBC products, the custom bow accessories products that they that is part of the Elite family. Um, so I have the sights. It's a five pin sight. Um, and man, what is my release my release is a scott release uh caliper release and then um yeah that's pretty much it i mean my quivers the the cbe uh quiver um four four arrow quiver and then uh cbe torque uh stabilizer is the stabilizer that i use all right what arrows are you shooting uh element element archery um with dirt nap broadheads okay. and it kind of depends on so i get kind of get this question as well all the time as what you know the arrows that i use so it honestly it depends on um what i'm hunting whether it's deer elk or turkeys um or antelope um so typically for uh Let's see. Typically for antelope and deer, I use a micro diameter um, arrow, which is the element storm arrows. And then for um, turkeys and elk, I use either the and I know this is going to sound funny. They're either the quake uh, arrow from element archery or the typhoon. And the reason I go back and forth is because it depends on the conditions. So I carry all those arrows with me typically, you know, even if like I'll carry them in my truck and, and depending on the weather conditions. So it could vary anywhere from a, um, uh, 300 grain, uh, or yeah, 300 to 350, um, spine, uh, arrow. And it just, it'll depend on if it's storming, if it's windy, if it's raining, snowing, and I'll go with a little bit heavier arrow, you know, depending on the condition or lighter arrow, if it's dry and, you know, hot in the summertime. So, and that's just kind of the setup that I've always done. That's worked pretty well for me. Uh, and then the dirt nap broadheads. So I've got the, just the regular DRTs and, um, I have those set at a hundred grain and then I have the Turkey, uh, broadheads that, that, uh, are the dirt nap. 
DRTs. Yeah. Those, those are uh, Adam's favorite. Oh, they will destroy a decoy. Let me just tell you right now. They will oh, deflate yeah, they a uh, brand, new AVNX. brand new Avian X decoy. They will destroy it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I typically, I typically don't um, target shoot with those because I did that into mine and and it destroyed my destroyed my uh, block target. So. Yeah. Oh no, no no! This wasn't target shooting. This was hunting. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh! You shot your decoy. Oh shit! <laughs> yes, you did. Yeah, oh, on video. It's we like, had it on video. It's pretty awesome. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> he shot right through the bird's wing and then smoked the decoy yeah oh, and then the turkey nice. ran off nice john had to so you got, the, the, you decoy. got the decoy you <laughs> got the decoy but you didn't get the turkey yeah. exactly. shot, shot placement was amazing <laughs> yeah tag soup was really tough that year yeah. right right yeah yeah oh yeah no i'd love to love to connect with you guys what you're doing um for your colorado archery hunt and you know definitely if you have any questions for the gear setup just you know let me know and walk through some stuff with you too so yeah Perfect. i mean like i say uh i'm, I'm well i'm sure I'm, adam's I'm, gonna be out there knocking on your door when he's yeah, there so yeah <laughs> me, me and joe will be over there like matt 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 come matt, come on and play oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah dude yeah no, that's that's easy no no problem huh? yeah or yep and frank's, neighbors, so. frank's gonna be out there a, a week before i get there and a week after i leave so um and john's headed to to montana so We'll, we'll see. He hasn't, right uh, he's, he's waiting for the, for the, the, the Corona. Well, yeah. Peak and, and I, ebb and flow for. Yeah. Well, I just got done canceling my Florida trip. And then with all the stuff that's going on, I had to cancel my boat that I've been looking forward to having for a week and going deep sea fishing. And then yeah. I, then I got online and I was, I went through the whole process to get my tag and, you know, I'm doing the the big game combo and then with the points and all that and it comes out to like 1200 bucks and i was like maybe i should just wait till the i have until april 1st to put in for it yeah and then i was also looking you know like well, our tags in idaho were what 600 yep you know and then the tags colorado colorado tags yep. you know but i i have i have a buddy that lives in bozeman so it, i'm kind of well i I haven't heard, I haven't heard of anything yet. I mean, I stay pretty close to, close to Colorado parks and wildlife and, and Idaho fishing game. And, um, I haven't heard of anything affecting, you know, any of the hunting seasons yet. Right. Um, not to say that's going to happen. The only thing that I have heard is, uh, you know, different trailheads that, um, where there's like lots of, you know, congregations of people and things like that. There are specific trailheads that are being closed or being shut down, um, you know, that were basically mandated because that's a popular trailhead type of thing. But mm -hmm. I, I can't see and God knock on wood cause it would suck if that did happen. But, um, you know, just, I can't see that them canceling hunting seasons, Right. You know, because of this, you know, and most of that stuff is going to take place in other than like turkey, spring turkey and, you know, spring bear season in different states. I mean, all those things are coming up rather quickly, but, you know, um, the rest of them are August, 
mid to late August and September. So I, I, th- I think that things are going to start to see a down cycle at that point. At least I hope so. And that's what I'm yeah, praying I'm, to see, I'm, but I'm hoping that's going to happen. We'll I, I was just more worried about like, I mean, like we were talking earlier, people are panicking and it's, you know, they're saying there's, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like right now, my wife's shop, as soon as they get one, one, you know, episode of this, they're shutting down. They're closing yeah. the doors right now. They're running at like 50%. So it's yeah. like, I'm looking at, you know, well, I have enough to survive on, you know, right now for money wise and stuff like that. But if shit really hits the fan, <laughs> I can't really justify putting $1,200 into a tag that, you know, yeah. is several months yeah. away. No, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. No, I to- totally, totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of where it's at here uh, in Colorado is if it's, if, if there's three cases in the area or whatever, then, you know, a lot, a lot more businesses are going to start shutting down. I mean, small businesses, businesses have already started shutting down for the most part, you know, but, um, but there's larger businesses that are that have still remained open, but it's getting to the point where I think they're not even wanting to stay open just because of concern and things like that. But um, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, just from our standpoint on the ready wise side, I mean, we definitely have seen a influx and the demand is, is so huge. It's been hard for us to keep up with, with the or the amount of orders that we have been getting um, at this point. But, you know, it, it, again, it is going to get worse before it gets better. And, you know, the week before was bad. Last week was worse. And I think that, you know, the next couple of weeks are going to be even worse. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll see. Well, on that <laughs> note, I mean, you said you're running 24 hours. We should get let, let you get back to work. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we're yeah, just sitting know, here right? hanging out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, it's it's all good, guys. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. And where can everybody follow along with uh, everything you're doing? And how can they find you know if they're interested in in, in ready wise meals or uh, you know at, at this point not the necessarily adventure because everything's an adventure, but the emergency preparedness <laughs> side of yep. things too. Yeah. So um, so a few different options. So it's readywise.com is our website that you can find um, all of our products, uh, you know, emergency survival and um, camping and and snacks. Um, and then as far as for me, you can follow me on Facebook at Matthew Tzak at Facebook.com and then Matthew Tzak on Instagram. Um and that's pretty much it. I don't really do Twitter or any of those kind of, I don't have enough time to do all the other ones, <laughs> but um, those are the two that I'm posting recipes and, you know, adventures from my scouting trips and hunting trips and, you know, just general uh, tips and tricks and, and things like that, that I post. So um, yeah, I appreciate everyone following me. Awesome, man. Really appreciate it. And I think that's you bet, all we guys. Got Thank you. Day. I appreciate your time. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Man. Thank you. And, and uh, hit me up if you have any other questions. Certainly will be in touch. Awesome, guys. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Thank you. And have a good night.
Shut up and sit down. Shut up and sit down.